We know of God's love and we see it. So what's our response to that? Let's pray and I'll get into it. Father God, we thank you that we can come together as your people and worship together, hear your word and enjoy good food. And I just pray that you would speak your words through my lips this morning and that you would move in this place and it would be all about bringing glory to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, before I do anything else though, I want to say this. This message isn't about merely having faith, but it's about how we need to live our faith out if it's to be of both value and of substance. You know, we have faith, but we want our faith to be worth something and to have an impact in the lives of not just ourselves, but the people that we are around. You know, it should be an active thing and not passive. And that's what I want to explore a little bit today. That once we understand the grace that we have received and we start to mold that into our foundation for life, we need to live from that place. And so today's message title is Agents of Faith. And yes, there is a little bit of continuity from last message and the way that I'm naming them. And so given we are looking at faith, you know, what better place to start than what many refer to as the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. So please turn to Hebrews chapter 11, or you can look at it on the screen. We're looking at verses 1 through to 3. You know, the title of this section is Faith in Action, and I really, really like that. And I hope that today we can find ways to activate our faith and to walk in that. So it reads, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You know, confidence and assurance, two strong and clear words. You know, our faith is something that we can have confidence in. We can have confidence in who we have faith in church. You know, and another translation of verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And I like that because it's not just confidence, which is a feeling, but it's also the substance, which is a thing. So, you know, we can have confidence in this thing and we'll explore a little bit what we can have faith in. But I want to ask, what's the basis of your faith? You know, we need to have a a solid foundation and basis for our faith, church. Otherwise, it will crumble. We can keep moving forward and keep our eyes fixed on Jesus when our faith is secure and built on a strong understanding of who he is. And this is why I feel so strongly about my message from two weeks ago, that we have that foundation of grace that we can build on and then live our faith from that point. You see, sharing the stories of how he has shown us his love and his grace is an act of faith. And we need to get into the habit, church, of sharing those things, of activating our faith and sharing those stories. Because the more that we do that, the more we give other people's faith the opportunity to be inspired and stirred and grown and developed. You know, it's us honouring God and having confidence in what He has done in our lives. And this is why I love verse 2. You know, it says, The ancients, so those who were before Jesus' time, 
were an honor to their faith and their faith was an honor to them. You know, the genuine response of faith will deserve to be reported and it will bring honor to those who show said faith. So basically, we honor God because he's worthy of it. But God also blesses us when we are obedient to him and we live with an authentic faith, an active faith. It doesn't just sit back and go, okay, I'm just going to do whatever. But we actually live in obedience and we walk forward in faith. That's what God calls us to do. And part of that flows from verse 3. You know, we know that God spoke the world into motion. We didn't see it, but we speak that in faith. We didn't see Jesus on the cross having endured a beating for us, but we believe that and we speak of that with faith. And those who came before Jesus' time lived with hope and confidence in what was to come because they knew God and they trusted in his promises. So church, do we, having experienced God's love, having seen his grace at work in our lives, do we have that same confidence of what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see right in front of us? Do we have that faith that God will move, having experienced that already? Do we have that continued faith that he is good for his word and that his promises will come? You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 states that we are Christ's ambassadors. And an ambassador is a representative. If you look at it from a political format, it is an elected representative who seeks to uphold their leader's interests and to honour them. And as Christians, we represent God and we represent Jesus. So do we adequately portray the confidence we have in the grace that we've been shown? Do we represent the grace and love shown to us? Do we take that out into the world and actively apply that to situations? You know, I think there's a fine line between being a good representative and a bad representative. And to me, that fine line of the difference, it's the presence or absence of faith. Calling back to Hebrews 11.1, faith is confidence in what we hope for. You know, if we are being a bad representative, there is no sight of what we hope for and therefore no confidence in what has been promised and what we understand. So I want you to consider your own life for a minute. You've seen God's grace at work. You've experienced his love. So do your actions and your words and your faith reflect that you know an ambassador doesn't take on that role for fun they take it on because they believe in what their leader stands for so when we let Jesus into our hearts and allow him to transform us through that love and grace and the Holy Spirit that is us saying that we are prepared to live out his very mission as if it were our own mission you know, we choose to imitate the example of those we serve when we choose to represent them. So we best do it well. You know, faith is a lived experience. It's not just something we say we have and then do nothing about. But because of this, whether we feel equipped or not, God calls us to be his disciples and to be his ambassadors. 
You see, the longer we are on this journey, the more we live through both good and bad situations. And our faith grows and is developed accordingly with those situations. You know, we can start to hope for his glory to be shown and take confidence in that hope, for we have seen his grace in our situations. And we take peace in being assured of what is to come and what we do not see. You know, we can have these things and these situations happen, but the response is on us. We have to choose to be agents of faith. We have to choose to be active in our faith. We have to choose to walk in obedience to what God has called us to. You know, Jesus modeled this for us as well. Yes, he was fully God as well as being fully man, so he had a bit of an advantage and an idea of what was coming. But he was confident in the promises and the word of his father. He understood who his father was and he understood that love and was able to live his faith from that understanding. And we should be willing to imitate the way that Jesus lived to the best of our ability. You know, when you are around someone or exposed to them for long enough, eventually we kind of start to take on some of their traits. So who do we spend our time around? Is it the world? And so we distance ourselves from Jesus and take on being a representative of the world. Or is it the fact that we are unafraid to stand on our foundation of love and of grace and be different? Are we prepared to stand in faith for what we believe in? Do we take on the example of Jesus and then take it out into our world? I love the song Everything by Lifehouse. And there's one line in particular that always gets me. And it says, how can I stand here with you and not be moved by you? And when we allow the Holy Spirit to reveal more of God and Jesus to us, how can we not be moved or transformed by his love and by who he is? You know, do you let him lead and offer the chance for us to know him intimately and therefore give us the chance to take his example and do that properly? Do we do that effectively, church? You know, the Apostle Paul writes about this in the early part of the first letter to a mostly Gentile church in the city of Thessalonica. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 to 10, Paul writes this, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. What a passage. 
You know, this church has taken on that example and they've turned their lives around completely. You know, they've gone from, from following idols to following the living and true God. And this was a Gentile church. So at the time, it's a bunch of people who, who hadn't grown up knowing who God was and the things that he has done. But they've heard that message and they've gone, you know, I just feel something in that. And so they just turn their lives around and it follows all around the world. Wherever Paul goes, he hears this story. You know, it says, you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering. You know, that's a pretty clear example of faith on a solid foundation in my books. The Gentiles in Achaia and Macedonia imitated the Thessalonians who imitated churches in Judea. The Thessalonians also imitated Paul, who, as all believers should imitate their leaders, Paul imitated Christ. And what happened? As I said, you know, Paul writes how the faith of these Gentiles had become known everywhere. When we walk in faith and in God's love, people see it. People hear about it. They talk about it. They go, there's something incredible going on you know, at Bayside Church in Carrum Downs. There are things going on there. I want to know what's going on. You know, when we walk in faith, when we let the Holy Spirit move, things happen and people hear about it. So do we want to be a church that is active and having our community here that there are incredible things going on in this place? Do we want to be a church that takes the love and the grace of God into the world and changes people's situations, changes people's perceptions? If we want to do that, then we've got to walk with an active faith. You know, they were doing something right. But the thing was they put value in their faith and we're earnestly seeking to live it out with substance. So do we properly value our faith? Do we see the substance that faith has? So let's apply this to ourselves. Who do we imitate? Who do we look to as an example? You know, for, for starters, there are those who have been walking on their faith journey for longer than ourselves. You know, we look to our, our elders or those that have been here doing this and understand what it's like to be pulled one way by the world and then having God there who stands in the gap. You know, one another in general, we can learn and be encouraged by each other. Just because you, you may feel like you've got nothing to contribute, but I can tell you, everybody has something that you can contribute to inspire and encourage other people in the church. So be prepared to, to just share what's going on in your world and what God is doing. Because I know for a fact that the more I hear people share, the more inspired and excited I get. So please share because it inspires other people, but it also develops our own faith. Because when we speak that out, we're speaking it out as being a thing. It's not just something that happens, but we speak it out going, this is happening. God is doing this. That is faith. You know, and as we, we can look to God as well, because we can have complete and total belief and trust in God the Father through Jesus the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit that flows within us. Amen? So let's break those down a little bit. You know, we've got God the Father, who's the creator. 
the great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He communicated to Moses through a burning bush. He parted the Red Sea. He made the sun stand still in the sky. He raised people from the dead. And this is just the beginning. Then we've got Jesus, the son, who's God in human flesh. He healed the sick. He raised the dead, including himself. He overcame temptation. He changed the social climate. A rebel of grace, maybe. He calmed the storm. He cast out demons. He walked on water. He multiplied food. He died on a cross at Calvary as a substitute. He rose again and ascended to heaven and waits for his time to return again. But that's not all. Because we have with us the Holy Spirit, our helper. And Jesus sent us the Spirit so that we have that form of comfort and that power that flowed through Jesus in us. We have that Holy Spirit with us wherever we are. And from the very lips of Jesus himself, we will do even greater things than he himself did. Like, what? We can do even greater than Jesus? Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So do we have that confidence in what we carry, church? Is the substance of our faith built on a solid foundation and is it worth imitating? Because what I know of God, and I'm taking all three persons together, that's someone most definitely worth imitating and having faith in and modelling that to those around us. So where's your faith at, church? Is it confident? Is it assured? Is it built on a solid foundation? Is it flowing from a place of imitation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? You know, who we imitate is so important to what flows from us. What our heart holds as most important is what flows out of our words and actions. You know, we are so lucky to have many who have gone before us that we can learn off and imitate. You know, I look at Rod and his faith. He has some incredibly debilitating physical ailments, but he is here week in, week out, faithfully serving. And he and Andrea look after our connect group leaders and they are always there for those people in need, regardless of what is going on. And so I look to them as a great example worth imitating that no matter what's going on, we be faithful. You know, I looked at Pastor Christy and all she did with the Bali Nine Boys and the way both her and Pastor Rob have seen Bayside Church become a voice for the voiceless and to stand for mercy and grace. I think of the boys themselves in a line going to their deaths, singing praises to the risen King. They know what's coming, but their faith was not shaken. I think of Nick Vucic, if any of you have heard of him. He was born without arms, born without legs. So for most people, you'd be like, well, this sucks. But not Nick. But not Nick. He travels the world speaking to people and encouraging people and sharing his faith and sharing about how good God is and what he is doing. You know, we have these examples. But not just in our world today. There's plenty of examples in this. You know, we have countless people whose examples we can follow. They too were ambassadors as we are. I look to Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. 
I'm so moved by their contentment in the Father and their confident faith. If you know the story, they're imprisoned for sharing the gospel. And one night they're praying and worshipping to God at midnight and the jail doors are flung open. And instead of just escaping, they go to the jailer and say, we haven't left, we're still here. And they show him grace. They outwork their faith. Next thing you know, the jailer himself has become part of the kingdom. So is his family and they've all been baptised. Because rather than being sucked down by the earth and what the situation they had was, they were confident in their faith. Then there's Mary who washes Jesus' feet with incredibly expensive oil. You know, she worshipped so freely, it's hard not to be in awe. You know, the disciples thought she was crazy because of how expensive the oil was. It was worth, I think it was about a year's wages and she was just like, no, I'm going to worship my God. Her faith and the substance of that faith was the priority over anything from this world. But one of the stories that moves me the most is one in which two characters give differing reactions. And so we need to look at which we want to imitate, but then look at which we actually become in certain situations. So you can flick to Luke chapter 15. It's a story most of us will probably know. It will be on the screen as well. So it's Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And it's the parable of the prodigal son. And so Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And at the time that would have been so against the norm. For a father to do that. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. 
But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It's an incredible story and an incredible example to follow. You know, it's often easy to be in the older brother's shoes. It could be in the workplace. You work hard, but someone else gets a promotion. You know, in general, someone who makes bad choices seems to have all the luck. We get so fixated on the injustice of a situation that we forget about grace and the foundation of love that we have built for ourselves. We hope that by us doing all we can for the kingdom, that God would bring our family into his kingdom. Oh, I know that one and it hurts. You know, the only one, for both Em and I, we're the only ones in our families that have a faith. And it's hard. You sit here and go, God, well, what have I got to do? But it's trusting in faith that God's got it and that he's got it under control. You know, you can get disappointed and frustrated. But his grace is sufficient in all situations. We've just got to believe that and have faith in that. We need to live with that assured faith and foundation of grace that makes us strong. So in this story, we should be imitating the Father, to be willing, regardless of offence, to welcome people back, to forgive endlessly, to choose grace and mercy over condemnation, to stand in faith on the truth of who we are, not what the world tells us we are. We need to not be afraid to look silly or stand out or to be different to the world in any given situation. We are examples. We have those who are our examples and so we are to be examples and have a faith worth imitating ourselves. You know, especially in such a digital age, people are always watching. So who looks at you as an example? What are they learning from you? What are they taking on from you? Are they taking on a solid faith in Jesus? Or are they taking on the frustrations of the world? You know, by having a solid foundation, we can have the confidence and assurance to live in faith. We then need to equip and train and strengthen that faith to resist the world and imitate Jesus. And from there, we have the amazing privilege to influence others as they imitate us. So, I ask again, is your life worth imitating? I want you to reflect on that for a bit. Is your life worth imitating? And who are you influencing? I want you to share briefly with somebody nearby. Who are some people that you can influence, that are in your world, that, that you want to influence or you can influence? And I want you to encourage one another of how you can do that. Spend a couple of minutes because I'm not quite done just yet. But I want you to share that and inspire each other and encourage one another. I don't want to cut these short, but we've got our lunch afterwards, so 
hopefully, around the lunch, you can share a few more of these stories. And, you know, I feel it's always good to share something like this. You know, like I said two weeks ago, sharing our stories can inspire one another. So sharing these stories and encouraging one one another to live in faith and to be that example to people, that can encourage us. And, you know, there are lots of people who have things that I'm awed by and not all of them are real. Some of them are fictional characters. That's true. It's true. You can, re- you can learn a lot from reading books. So kids, read books because they're good for you. So who's familiar with Lord of the Rings? Good. So there's a few people. So there's a character in there named Samwise Gamgee. He's not the main character. And Sam is the awkward, often misunderstood, mostly overlooked sidekick who is faithful, loyal, and is, in my opinion, the most courageous character in the entire story. He inspires me. I want to live my life the way that he does, in finding joy in all situations, enjoying the small things, but having a fearless resolve and always being able to be counted on. In a similar vein, there's Neville Longbottom in the Harry Potter series. He's a fringe character. He's overlooked. He's laughed at. He's thought useless and hopeless. And he's told as much by his teachers, by some of his family, and even his peers. Yet he's loyal. And he's most certainly courageous. And in a situation in the finale of the series, he is confronted with a situation where many more esteemed people would have caved in, but he stood tall, he stood resolute, and he stood for what he believed in. And I want to be someone who is resolute in my faith, who doesn't take my worth from what other people say about me, but from who God, the creator, says I am. Who else wants that? You know, you want who else wants to take their identity from who God says they are and live that faith? You know, church, our God has robbed the grave. And that is a fact. Jesus rose from the grave and death has lost its sting. And what does that mean for us? It means that we can have a confident and assured faith that what we hope for is true and that it is right. It means that we are free to live as rebels of grace, as agents of faith, as sons and daughters of the risen King, and that our identity is found in Him and in Him alone. And He says that we are His special possession. Church, we are his special possession. You know, that gives me goosebumps that the creator of the universe, of the heavens and the earth, views us as his special possession. And I want to read you something this morning, church. Band, could I get you guys to come up, please? So a little while ago, Em and I were in Adelaide and we visited Em's old church. During the message, the speaker said the following. Now, I've made my own little additions to this. But I want you to let this sink in this morning. So this is a Christian's Bill of Rights. I am God's possession, his child, his workmanship, his friend, temple, co-laborer, witness, soldier, his ambassador, and dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. I am able to do all things because he strengthens me. I am a minister and an instrument. I am his chosen, his beloved, his jewel, and his heritage. 
In Christ, I have been redeemed by blood, set free from sin, set free from Satan, set free from the kingdom of darkness. I have been chosen before the foundation of the world, predestined to be like Jesus, forgiven of all trespasses, washed in blood, given a sound mind, given the Holy Spirit, and been accepted into God's family. I have been justified freely by His grace. I have been given all things pertaining to life. I have been given great and precious promises, the ministry of reconciliation, authority over the enemy, access to God and wisdom for free. In Christ, I am complete, totally in Him, free forever from sin's power, sanctified as a vessel of light and of life, fit for the master's use. I am loved eternally, and I am eternally kept in the palm of his hand. I am kept from falling, kept by, kept by his very power. I am not condemned. I am one with the Lord. I am on my way to heaven. I am quickened by his mighty power, seated in heavenly places, the head and not the tail, the light in darkness, a candle in a dark place, a city set on a hill. I'm an agent of faith. I'm the salt of the earth. I am his sheep, a citizen of heaven. I'm hidden with Christ in God and protected from the evil one. I am secure in Christ. As Chelsea shared this morning, you know, we are secure in him. I'm set on a rock, more than a conqueror. I'm born again, filled with his power as a victor. I'm healed by his stripes, covered by his blood sheltered by his wing, hidden in the secret place. I have access to the Father, a home in heaven, all things in Christ to imitate him and be an example. I have a living hope, an anchor for my soul, a hope sure and steadfast. I have authority to tread on serpents, power to witness. I am blessed to be a blessing. The tongue of the learned I have. I have the mind of Christ. I have boldness and access. I have peace with God. I have faith like a mustard seed. In him, I can do all things. I can find mercy, be a rebel of grace. I can come boldly to his throne. I can quench the fiery darts of the enemy, declare liberty to the captives. I can pray always, chase a thousand. I am given an abundant life. I defeat and overcome the enemy. I can tread Satan underfoot. The only things I cannot do in Christ are to be separated from God, to perish or be lost, be moved, be taken out of my Father's hand, be charged or accused or be condemned. I am a citizen of heaven and this is my status in Christ. So let us stand, church, as agents of faith who choose to take that faith into the world and change the social dynamic by the way we live. And so I want everyone to stand right now and I want you to declare this song this morning.
Yeah, church. God has no rival and he has no equal. Now and forever, our God reigns. That's a truth we can stand on. Does our faith reflect that? So this morning, I want to give opportunity for anyone who wants to be prayed for, for their faith to be stirred, to come forward. And if, if you don't want that, you can feel free to start lunch. But I want to give opportunity for people to be prayed for this morning because I want to see faith outworked in this place. I want to see faith stirred in this place. And I want to see people take that out into their world. And we're going to get an opportunity this Wednesday night to show that faith. We're going to have a prayer meeting in here from 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. So if you want to come and outwork that faith and stand together and pray for our church and our community, then the doors are open at seven o'clock on Wednesday night. But for this morning, if you want to be prayed for, for an infilling of faith and for opportunities to share that faith, then come forward and Andrea, others, myself will pray. And for those that just want to have lunch, I'm just going to read a benediction over you. It's from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.